Hello, I'm Melinda Fellner, Chair of Carter, Ledyard, and Milburn's Tax Department. Welcome to Tax Tête-à-Tête. As the name of the podcast connotes, I'm going to be bringing you head-to-head tax discussion on topics with super minds in the space. In this episode, part four, we'll be discussing corporations. Hi, tax fans. It's Melinda, and I'm here with Vinay. Hi, Vinay. Hey, Melinda. Let's turn to C-corporations, which, I mean, we did talk about uh, sole proprietorships in another segment as being kind of the original form of business. But from an entity perspective, I think C-corporations are what have been around forever. And when I say C-corporations, I mean, that's really because it's a chapter of the Internal Revenue Code under which these corporations are formed, basically. And it's I look at them as the consummate double tax uh, type of arrangement, right? Meaning the corporation itself pays a tax, right, Vinay? Right. And then your investors, your shareholders, also pay a tax when they receive a distribution or a dividend out of the corporation. So... People often talk about the traditional double tax concept. Right. right. And, and, and when businesses are just starting out, that's often viewed as a negative. And it is a negative, right? You have double double tax. But there is kind of a greater degree of separation. You know, we just started, we just finished talking about partnerships and how, you know, your tax on phantom income, right? Right. And, and even though somebody's always paying the tax, I just find with business owners and clients, people are more comfortable with that separation between what happens in the corp stays in the corp and it doesn't impact my personal life. And maybe it's just psychology, but but I find that there's an attraction to that. Definitely, definitely. And well, and there's even more of an attraction to that now post-TCGA, right? Right. So that's that's the huge change. Right before 2017 Corporations were taxed at 34 or 35%, you know, right up there with the individual rate. So there really wasn't a whole lot of considering of, or the double taxation was, was, you know, worse. Now with the 21% corporate tax rate, people are looking at C corporations with a renewed interest because you have to kind of look at and see, yeah, double taxation is there when you take the money out. If you have a business that's going to not necessarily be dividend generating, you know, classic tech company. You, you're trying to build the value of the business. You're not looking for cash flow. You're looking to grow value. So any profits are going to be taxed at the 21% rate. You don't anticipate having a dividend distribution. And then you're looking for an exit in the form of a sale of shares, which would be a capital gain, sure. one level of tax. right? So if I can predict the future, and I know that was my outcome, a C-Corp would be great. Right. Now, I can't always predict the future because maybe when, you know, I'm going, I'm going down, you know, when we, when we start talking about forming businesses, we're always thinking about the end in mind. What's the exit? And if I know my sale is going to be a sale of shares, C-Corporation is great. But if my, if my end is going to be a sale of assets, somebody, some buyer doesn't want to buy my corporate shares. They want to buy my, all the assets of running my business. Maybe there's some liabilities they don't want to, to accept. Now I've got real double tax. Sure. And I've seen deals just fall off the table because a buyer wanted to buy assets, a seller wanted to sell shares, and the tax difference between those two options was too great for the seller to bear. 
So that's kind of by, by starting your business as a C corporation, you're kind of taking that exit off the table. Excellent so you, point. You have yeah. to think about that. Terrible. Excellent point. Well, and so you could, and to your point, maybe you don't want to start as a C corporation. Maybe you want to start as a limited liability company for that very reason, so that you don't have that double tax. And maybe when you need to go to C, you do. But, Correct. Yeah. So, so that that's a great point. You could start as a limited liability company, and your bit. And so you could well, let's take any example. If, you're, if I've only got one owner, I could be taxed as a sole proprietorship. I'm out growing my business, doing everything I need to do to build value, and then at a, some point, when I feel like okay, an ag, an, 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 an exit with an asset as an asset transaction is probably off the table. It's unlikely to happen. I could check the box and elect to be C corporate, sure. C corporate uh, treatment going forward. So the re- the rest of the world doesn't know anything's changed, right? So yeah, that is kind of a, a good right. case for C- LLCs. And I'm just going to point out: so though we all love the TCJA reduce the corporate tax rate to 21 percent, remember there's also state tax. So you know the corporation will pay, you know, if it's in Delaware, the eight percent, so forth. But in any event, still lower than the combined individual highest rate, most likely. Correct. And 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 to backtrack to what we spoke in a previous segment, there is, you know, you got if you a corporation is a function is formed under state law. So you got to pick a state. Right. And so we get into the whole Delaware, um, Delaware attraction, right? Right. Delaware is a tax neutral state. Delaware says that if you don't actually actually conduct business in our state, we're not going to subject you to income tax. Most states will all have different ways of trying to, to assert that some level of your economic activity in their state will be uh, subject to tax in their state. So you shouldn't let, just because, you shouldn't be driven to a particular state, Nevada, Wyoming, Delaware, just because you think it's tax-free. Ultimately, your business footprint is gonna, is gonna determine how you're taxed uh, for state income taxes. So it's a little bit of a tangent, sorry about that. Right, Linda. no, no, I mean, I think that that's, a common misconception of a lot of clients. Mm-hmm. So it's an excellent point. You know, the other thing I like about C corporations is if I want to reward employees and I want to give employees equity comp, I find it's a lot easier to do it in C corporations because I can give them options. Um, I can, and you know, within options we have qualified, non-qualified, I can give them restricted shares. Um, or if I wanted to, I could give them outright share right. ownership. Um, we spoke about when we talked, we were talking about partnerships, some of the challenges with giving a partnership interest to a, a person who, you know, a key employee because of the flow through taxation. So with a corporation, you can have a robust stock option plan. And most, you know, employees understand that. All their friends have it. They get it. It's, it's a positive for C corporations. Right. Agreed. Definitely a wider variety of compensation flavored things you can give to an employee in a Mm -hmm. C corporation. Mm -hmm. So I I thought we would continue to talk more about C corporations because there are some interesting things that you and I have seen in practice with startups, new businesses and so forth. I think oftentimes you find a startup wants to be a flow through, right? We talked about that in previous segments. It's easy to set up. You get flow through of profits and losses and so forth. But let's say you've got this startup that is a tremendous success. 
you know, as we all want our clients to be. And they want to bring in more outside investors and, you know, do various funding rounds and, and so forth. So they want to make themselves into a C corporation by whatever method, either they're going to check the box or merge it into a corporation. So I think you and I see this a lot. There are a lot of benefits, tax benefits in the code to an exit from a C corporation, especially when you've held that stock for the magic number of more than five years, right? Right, right. I think you're talking about a a section of the code known as Section 1202, often known as Qualified Small Business Stock, QSBS. So what happens is if I have a, if I've held C Corp shares for more than five years and I'm not in one of these so-called bad businesses, bad meaning very service-oriented, there's a, there's a list in, in the oh, statute, right. um, and I hold my shares for more than five years, I can exclude from, and I sell my shares as opposed to an asset sale, right. um, I can exclude from gain the lesser of, I'm sorry, the greater of, the greater of $10 million or 10 times my basis in my shares. So that can be a huge amount. And there's ways to kind of multiply that exemption by doing estate planning, things like that we're not going to get into. But so we're seeing a lot of Section 1202 planning for companies starting out that you know see, see an exit in the next five years, uh, coupled with what we just spoke about, the lower tax rates, uh, if it's not a dividend-paying business. So we see a lot of people coming to us that have heard about 1202 mm-hmm. or QSBS and you know, want to kind of explore that further. And if you want QSBS, you have to be a C corporation. Right. Um, right. And there are some traps if you start as an S and you can't go to a C, things like that. So it's really important to kind of do that planning ahead of time. But, but as far as C corporations are concerned with the lower 21% tax rate, and there was also a change many years ago that basically made this QSBS exclusion uh, eligible to cover 100% of your gain. Oh, right. It's 100% so now. The gain subject to those right. limits. Right. Just a, a lot of interest in C-Corps. And also the other thing we see is, you know, oftentimes if, if a family business has started um, as a flow through, as many closely held businesses are, and like you said, Melinda, they become successful, they attract outside capital. Institutional investors often will not like flow-through entities. They right. will want a C-Corp um, structure. So sometimes upon a, a capital raise, the business will be forced to uh, convert to a C-Corp. Right, exactly. That 100% exclusion is incredibly valuable. It has ticked up over the years, and hopefully it will stay at 100%. And also what's interesting to me is what – you mentioned we had a lot of tax planning, estate planning questions because that $10 million exclusion is per taxpayer. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of opportunities for, say, gifting the shares, you know, of course, well in advance of a sale. Right. But there's definitely a lot of potential play there to maximize that exclusion. Right. And I guess the one other thing I'll, I'll just mention is if you if you have otherwise met the requirements but for the fact you haven't held the shares for five years, there's an opportunity to do a rollover of the gain into another qualified small right. business stock. Um, it's a section of the code known as Section 1045. So if that's the only reason why you are you're think you may not make 1202, there is what we call a second bite of the apple. 
if you want to roll over into another QSPS. I've had clients who have basically had a successful business, sold it before the five years, and used the proceeds to basically start a new business that also qualified as QSPS eligible and basically rolled over the money into that. Right. Excellent point. Many opportunities. Thanks for listening to part four. If you have interest in the other parts of our series, please find them in your feed or on our website, clm.com. See you all next time.